Welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day, and it's what we do with those 24 hours that makes all of the difference in our health, our happiness, and our success. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. I have a great guest today. David Dillard Wright is here. Hi, David. Hi, everyone. Hi, Meredith. It's really good to talk to you. Oh, it's great that you're here. I'm so excited about this topic today, you guys. We are talking about, well, first we're talking about David's books, but the topic is meditation. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So I'm super excited about this. Um, So he's the author of three books, A Mindful Morning, A Mindful Evening, and A Mindful Day. So how about, do you get to pick which one you want to be mindful? Is that why you have three of them? Well, my approach is to kind of, rather than taking several hours or thinking that you have to get up at four in the morning, um, to take several short meditation breaks throughout the day. Okay. So... It's designed so that if you have only a minute or two, you can take a minute or two. But if you have more time, then you can take more time. But rather than thinking that you have to power through this big, long session, you can break it up into shorter periods throughout the day. So the the goal behind it is to make it less stressful and and maybe a little bit less perfectionistic so that (laughs) so that you can just say, all right, well, you know, I. I, I don't have two hours, but I have 10 minutes on my lunch break. So I'm okay. going to sit down and, and do this at my lunch break. So I have right. so many questions for you. I don't even know where to start, but let's just start with, um, so you're a, you're a professor of philosophy at university of South Carolina. So how did you get into this whole, I wouldn't say philosophy cause that's a different thing, but the headspace stuff, <laughs> is, is that a fair, a fair statement? Uh, yeah, that is a fair statement. Um, I I started out going to seminary and I was going to become a minister, um, and for several different reasons that didn't work out very well. And I I decided to go into academia instead, and I was studying Western philosophy, uh, but just for personal reasons, I found that I needed some meditation, some some calming activities. So I started reading more about yoga, meditation, and Eastern philosophy. And that's how I got into uh, meditation, just as a way of calming myself and staying. And, you know, I was in grad school. I was really stressed out. I was writing a dissertation. I was going, taking all these classes, and I was just looking for something that would help me to find that place of calm. And that's how I started meditating. See, I started, I I was looking for all those things too. And I just like threw myself into crazy endurance sports. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And maybe I should just meditate. (laughs) Well, you know, I actually, I, I, I do endurance sports as well. I I used to do, um, marathons. Uh Um, I, I, I started having back trouble and, all kind of problems. So just this year I started doing triathlon again. So, I mean, I I don't think it's, I don't think it's mutually exclusive. I think you, you get some of the same benefits from both, but, um, you know, I guess the advantage of meditation is you don't have to put on your workout clothes or go to the gym (laughs) or 
you know, get all this equipment going and everything. You just, you just can find, you know, a few minutes and, and a, well, it's easier said than done, but find a, find a quiet place and, and sit down for a little while. So do you find when you're talking to people about med- meditation that the biggest reason that people don't do it is they say they don't have enough time, right? And so that's where your books come into play. Exactly. Okay. Um, the, well, there's the time thing and then there's the, the place thing. So, so a lot of meditation books start out by saying, go away and find a quiet place by yourself. Right. And that's where I get stuck. <laughs> exactly. Like I have three kids, you know, I'm married. Um, it's a very busy household. Um, and you know, most people when they're at work, they feel a little bit awkward because is the guy in the next cubicle looking at me? Do I, you know, am I looking funny when I'm just kind of zoned out here? Um, so I, I think that for most people, they're probably not going to be able to go away to a monastery. You know, you're probably not going to be going on top of a mountain or at least, at least not on a daily basis. Maybe you do that for a retreat every few months, but you, you know, in your day-to-day life, you don't have that luxury. So I try to get people to start wherever they are and find an ideal time during their day where things are the most quiet and just start there. Okay. So like any, when you say anywhere, like what if you're in the living room at night and everyone's watching TV and making a racket, can it be there or does it have to truly be a quiet place? (laughs) Um, it, it it could be there. Um, it could be, it, it could begin with your frame of mind. Okay. Um, are you, are you being quiet and attentive inside of your mind and heart? And if you, if if you are being, if you have that calm, attentive uh, spirit inside of yourself, then that's uh, meditation. If you're fully engaged with what you're doing, then that could become a meditation. Um, and maybe while you're, I, I I try not to multitask. I don't. I, I, I my one of my books was called Meditation for Multitaskers, and it was kind of a um, misleading title because the, the goal of the book was actually to get people to stop multitasking. (laughs) But, um, uh, maybe you could, you're sitting there reading a book about, um, mindfulness or reading some scripture or something that you find inspiring, you know, that could be, that could be um, a meditation. So most people are going to have some distracting conditions and there's just no way around it. And you just kind of have to gauge, um, is this really a time when I can go into that meditative space or not? Um, so let's so define I, like med- when you say meditation, cause you were saying you can, you know, read some scripture or something inspiring. So maybe we should rewind maybe your, to get your definition of meditation. Well, there, there's sort of two modes there. There's sort of formal, formal meditation mm-hmm. where you're, you could be doing seated meditation. You could be chanting, you could be saying a mantra. Okay. Um, that would be, and that's, that's kind of the foundation practice. Um, you probably need to have at least some time during the day where you're formally, uh, doing the practice, um, where you're not doing anything else. 
Okay. That's, that's kind of the base layer. Um, but then there's also, you know, what people call mindfulness meditation, which you could be doing anytime. You could be taking care of kids. You could be washing the dishes. You could be going to work. You could, you could be on your bike, you know, you could be running. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and when you're practicing the mindfulness piece, you're just fully engaging with the task at hand. So if you're out running, you're paying attention to each footfall. You're paying attention to the way that your body feels. You're paying attention to the feeling of the wind uh, as it goes across your face. Or and you're if you're you're in a busy city, you could be you could be paying attention to the traffic around you, right? Uh-huh. I mean, that that could be potentially life saving, right? So you're just rather than tuning out or going into some other space, going into a fantasy mode or a memory mode. You're just fully engaging with what you're doing. Okay. I kind of, I, I used to always run with headphones or a podcast. And Mm -hmm. last week I had a really long run and I started running with a podcast. And for some reason it felt so hard and I thought I just can't. And so I ended up doing five miles and dropped my headphones off at the car and I did the remaining 10 with nothing. And I'm not the type of person who's ever really run naked, <laughs> as they say. Uh, um, right. And I know everyone says, oh, you should try it. You should do it. And I, blah, blah, blah. I've heard it for years. But it was one of the best 10 miles I've ever done. I did the five miles with the podcast and then 10 miles after. And it was interesting. So I kind of see I, – I, I was fully engaged. Yeah, I was fully aware that I was running and really listening to my breath. And it was interesting. Right. Because your, your, your mind is kind of, kind of divided between the podcast and the running. And when you turn off the podcast, that frees up that space so that your mind can bring more to bear on the running. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I wouldn't, I don't think I would tell people you should never listen to audio while you're running. Right. But if it's if it's something that you know is going to be difficult, there it's probably going to help to uh to to turn the audio off. Which is really interesting because to me I always thought when it was really hard that that was when I needed the distraction, but it's it's the opposite. Yeah, I know, I know um sometimes I like um going on the elliptical or or the stationary bike because I want to read a book. Right. And I, it's not, I, I don't really want to be doing the workout. So I'm right. So I'm trying to, so I'm trying to read a book and do the workout at the same time. Right. And I know that that's not the ideal thing to do. The best thing to do would be to, to do the book, to do the workout and then give myself time to read the book, you know, or say, (laughs) you know, look, if you do this, then you can have an hour later on to just read this book that you want to read. And that way, because that, that distracted state is actually kind of unpleasant in a way because anytime we're kind of distracted, there's this idea that I'm doing something, but there's something else on my mind that I really should be doing. Right. So we're kind of, we're kind of like judging ourselves. Right. Um, and forcing ourselves to do something that we maybe don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather, I would rather see, you know, uh, break it up and do, you know, a few minutes of whatever unpleasant thing and then a few minutes of the enjoyable thing. And I, 
I think it's actually more effective than than trying to multitask. Yeah. Okay. So let's rewind. You said that the traditional practice, um, you know, of finding a space and doing the breathing, that that's kind of your bedrock for meditation. So if right. you were trying to tell me a very, a very non-meditative person who's trying to find the wings to do it, um, where would I start? Well, uh, you would sit down and you don't, have to be seated in lotus posture on the floor. If you don't want to be, you can just, you can sit in a regular chair. But you have to and, sit, right? Not lay? <laughs> no, you could, you could lay down. Of okay. course, if you lay down there, there's a little bit more likelihood that you're going to fall asleep, but <laughs> even that is not the end of the world, right? A lot of people are very sleep deprived. So if you fall asleep, it's not, it's not, it's not like you're doing it wrong necessarily. Okay. So, so begin with the deep breathing mm-hmm. and, and, one of the things that my teacher taught me is that uh, is this particular pattern of breathing where you you breathe in for four counts mm-hmm. and you hold hold for 16 counts and breathe out for eight counts wow four and 16 say, eight okay yeah now i say counts so maybe a count is a full second right but if that feels too strenuous then you could you can count faster than once per second. Okay. Um, so do that. I would say do that for at least four rounds. And if you can, you can keep doing the deep breathing or if that, if that feels like it's too, too difficult, then you're just going to try to be mindful of your breath. Okay. And I would set a timer. I would, I would say maybe 15 or 20 minutes and just try that and see how it goes. Um, some people like to use either a mantra. It could be a, a, a Sanskrit mantra, or it could just be a word, an English word that you that you feel like is what you need in your life. A word mm-hmm. like peace, peace, or just calm, or something like that. Um, if you, when your mind, well, first of all, you're sort of watching the thoughts as they as they occur to you, and rather than sort of delving deeper into the thoughts, just kind of letting them go. And okay. if you catch yourself kind of um, extrapolating the thoughts out, then that's when you would return to your mantra or your, or your or your word that you're using. So when I'm sitting there breathing and I have the thought, I need to go pick up cleats for my son's baseball practice. I like w- instead of dwelling on it, like tell me kind of how you push that thought out of your head. How like what is the internal dialogue? So you, you notice it. Yeah. I need to pick up the cleats and then you can say, I'll write that down as soon as I'm done meditating and then you, then you let it go. And you can actually, if it makes you feel better, you can keep your, uh, planner calendar or, or whatever, um, right next to you. And as soon as you're done with your 15 or 20 minutes, you can, you know, write down the things that popped into your mind. And that if, if you know that you're, you have your calendar right there with you, mm-hmm. um, it reduces that slight, you know, there's going to, there's going to be kind of an anxiety that I shouldn't be meditating. I should be doing X, Y, and Z. Um, yes. but if you, if, if, if you know that, that you have your calendar right there, then it's, I mean, really, the second you're done, you just 
jot down a quick list of of the things that that are on your mind. I think that's a big part of why I get kind of stuck. Like I, I'll do meditation for a couple of days and then I, I just get stuck. And I think that's exactly it. Something pops into my head and I'll either stop the session, you know, <laughs> to go deal with it or to write it down or something. And then I just don't go back. And then the next day I think, well, I had all those, those thoughts in my head. And I know that's exactly the point is to deal mm-hmm. with that and to learn to quiet my mind. So what right. do you tell people like me? And, and I mean, Action is, is, is not a bad thing. And there is a yoga of action. Um, and as long as the actions that you're taking are positive actions, if you're, if you're doing positive actions and you're doing them in a positive spirit, then there's nothing at all wrong with that. Um, so it's probably better to be a proactive person who meditates a very little bit than to be someone who, who maybe meditates for hours, but they don't, they don't ever get anything done. So, <laughs> okay. so yeah, I mean, it's not, when I was younger, um, I was, I, I had this sort of, um, black and white view, right. Where, right. where meditation and action were kind of opposed to each other, but they're, they're really not opposed to one another. I mean, as long as your actions are positive and your frame of mind is positive, then those actions are, are going to be beneficial to your life and they're going to bring you to a better place. But one of the things I try to do now is very early in the day, check in with my mood. Um, and if, if, if I'm in a bad place, if I'm feeling resentful and angry and sad, um, I have to deal with that first because if I don't, if I don't deal with that first, then it's going to mess up my whole entire day, you know? So I, I, I try to check in with that first, and by doing by doing the meditation very early in the day, um, then I can kind of stop that cascade. I mean, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, yeah. So, do you like wake yeah. up? How do you assess your mood? Like, I mean, I know that we all have our mood when we wake up, but do you ask yourself like a set of three questions, or you just kind of go, oh, "How am I feeling today?" The, the the latter. Yeah, I just okay. I just say, "Okay, how am I feeling?" and um, there have been times when I was able to get up really early and meditate in the house, but if I'm not able to do it while I'm at the house, then I would do it first, first thing when I get to work. Um, and I, I don't want to carry into my work day, any kind of negative feelings that I'm having inside myself. Right. Because if, if I do that, it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. So, uh, so try trying to stop that negativity as soon as possible, as soon as you can get a hold of it, um, it keeps it from sort of cascading and put, putting you into that kind of dark place where you're just sort of like complaining and right. feeling aggravated and despondent. So it, the quicker you can address it, the better. And so, so that would that would apply for in the evenings as well. I mean, I find that I can usually wake up. And I'm okay. I, I don't really tend to wake up in a mood, but I find that I can go to bed in a mood. <laughs> so uh-huh. would, would that right. work as well? Like, cause, and that'll keep me up sometimes, right? Like if someone's ticked me off, I'll just lay awake and think right. how much I want to whatever. And so is that sure. how the meditation comes into play, like during the day and at night and whatever, because right. you're assessing yourself constantly maybe? 
So the the morning the morning book is more geared towards just getting yourself into a positive frame of mind for the day. Okay. The mindful evening book is is a more calming book. It's it's designed to clear away any anxiety that you might have or worries that you might have so that you can put your mind at rest before you go to sleep. Okay. Um so those two books were written first, and the third book is the Mindful Day book, and that book is more geared. It actually has some things about creativity and productivity, and and it's it's a it's very practical. Okay. So so uh, I think it is good to be able to calm down before you go to sleep, um, and you just just like in the morning, you're you're gonna have to try to find the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so between, you know, putting the kids to bed and, you know, spending time with your partner and everything, try to find at least a few minutes to just kind of do a small uh, centering exercise. Okay. Um, but I, the books are, are really designed to, I mean, any, definitely anybody could use them, but they're designed to be user-friendly and, and to, to not be intimidating because I, I do think that's why a lot of people don't meditate. and. The things that you're talking about, um, still, even if you've been meditating for years or, or even decades, you still have the temptation to not do it, you know, to, mm-hmm. or because, you know, we all have busy lives. We all have a lot going on and you just kind of try to find the time to work it in. So it's really interesting because I feel like my life in the last year has kind of made space for me to make space for meditation because nice. um, like this morning, and this is a really good example of how it would have probably been helpful to take a minute because today was the first day of school for the kids. They're back to school. Mine too. They started today too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yay. Yay the South. Um, right. But yeah, so I, I got up in plenty of time, but I woke up wide awake like an hour before I was supposed to get up. So but I laid there and I kind of just chilled out. I, I didn't jump out of bed. And But then when I got up, I, I, ha- I started the list of things I needed to do in the next, you know, hour. And I just was overwhelmed. And it was not a big list of things. But for whatever reason, I guess if I was assessing my mood, I would have realized, okay, current mood, overwhelmed. And, <laughs> you know, I could have just maybe taken a minute to and, – and it was stupid stuff that was overwhelming me, you know, like – their new lunch boxes and how, just stupid stuff where, um, I probably could have really benefited from. So what would you suggest for, for that kind of busy morning, but where I, my current mood is overwhelmed, <laughs> what kind of exercise? So th- this would apply to absolutely anything that you have to do in life is to take this big overwhelming thing and mentally break it down into smaller steps. Like, step a b c and d mm-hmm. and instead of concentrating on four things try to concentrate on one thing you know like yeah i have to get dressed i have to take a shower you know <laughs> i didn't even like, know what order to do it it was one of those days where i, was I like, know i don't even know if i should bathe first or put my pants on like i mean it was just right yeah okay. i mean and you know anytime you're going through a transition in life like you've gotten used to this whole summer what, yeah. vibe, right? I'll wake up whenever I want to of, all right, now I have to get out of the house by this time. So those transitions are always going to be a little bit more difficult, but uh, 
that's the the wonderful thing about routine is when you begin to get into a routine, it just becomes automatic, right? So um, eventually, you don't have to think so much about it anymore, and you just kind of just kind of do it. Um, and I, I think that goes for meditation. I think it goes for a triathlon or, what, or whatever you happen to be doing. Um, you, your habits, you, you sort of hand things over to habit and they become natural. I mean, you don't have to think about it so hard. You don't have to work so hard at it. I know you've, you still have to work hard at your training, but after a few weeks, you know, okay, today's a swim day, today's a run day or right. whatever. And, it, and you just, it just starts to flow a little bit better. And I think, Meditation is just something to put into the blend and uh, help you to be a little bit more calm. Um, and I, hopefully, that applies to race day as well. You can, if if you're if you're more calm during your training, then maybe maybe race day you're not quite as nervous. Um, you're still go ahead. You're still going to be somewhat. I mean, no matter what, you're still going to be somewhat nervous because you have to perform. But it's you have less of that paralyzed that kind of paralyzed <laughs> feeling. No, I don't get paralyzed um, standing at the start of an Ironman. I get paralyzed on the first day of school about lunchboxes. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> isn't that funny? <laughs> that's another book. But no, I think you know I've I've been a competitive athlete like my you know pretty much my whole life in some regard, not endurance wise, but I've always been really great um, cal- calming myself before events and before kind of big life events, but it's literally the day-to-day stuff that just slays me. That's um, so interesting. So uh, what do you do? So could you take the same thing that you do to calm yourself before a race and use that on an average Monday morning? Maybe I need to, but I don't even really know what I do. I think it's almost, um, it's this weird focus and I don't know if I could apply that same sort of focus to lunch boxes. Um, but maybe I need to, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, know. I think, I think most people are probably the opposite way where they would, you know, certainly freak out at an endurance competition. <laughs> right. Um, but Not I think it, boxes. I think it probably is the same skill. Yeah. Um, I, I, maybe, maybe you're, maybe you just have such a habit of preparing for sports that it's that it that it's automatic for you, but if, maybe if you could analyze that a little bit more, then you could bring it over into, you know, getting the kids ready for school. That's really interesting. Or maybe it's because I feel like at a race, even if I'm undertrained or things aren't stacked really in my favor, I've still like put in the work, and I can sort of maybe predict the outcome a little bit, like even though nothing's certain to me, that feels like, okay, I've prepared and maybe day-to-day life. I'm like, there's no way to prepare for this mess. <laughs> it's unpredictable. <laughs> it's completely no, I, you know, so maybe there's yeah. that element of like control. I don't right. know. Um, and I think maybe the, the night before, I think, how, how you go to bed has a lot to do with how, you know, getting up in the morning. Um, I know that if I need to, if I need to get up early the next day, I have to start the night before and say, I'm going to wake up at five 30. Yeah. And you See, say I do that, that. I do that. Yeah. You, you say that to yourself a few times. Um, and it's actually, if you, if you set your alarm, but you haven't mentally prepared yourself, then you'll just hit snooze. Like, you know, eight times. And then by that time it's too late. Um, but if you mentally prepare ahead of time, then it, it 
works better. I think we're on to something here, David. I think I prepare yeah. for maybe this nighttime thing would be really beneficial for me because that's what I do. Like the day before a race, I'm really, um, you know, like 6 p.m. My butt is in the bed with my feet up and I'm, I have a routine and I, you know, and I prepare myself like I'm getting up at 3.30. 3.30 is a great time to wake up. Like that's the kind of stuff I tell myself, you know. Uh-huh, exactly. I can't wait yeah. to get up at 3.30. 3 is my favorite number. And, <laughs> you know, I do that for races. But on day-to-day life, I'm like, oh, God, how am I going to live tomorrow? So, yeah, this is a breakthrough. <laughs> I think yeah, or like <laughs> maybe, you know. For the people out there listening, maybe you have this presentation that you're giving or something and you're really nervous about it. So you might do meditation to kind of release the worry about the presentation that you have to give. And maybe you go through a little mental rehearsal of seeing yourself giving it and everything's going fine and everyone's uh, enjoying whatever presentation it is. Um, So you're getting into the right mental space and the right emotional space. So that when that time comes, you're more ready for it. And I, I guess it sounds kind of trivial or cheesy or something, but it it really does work. It really does work. So I think I might yeah. have had this sort of mindfulness component to my life as far as when it goes to like work and racing. But maybe I'm missing that foundation where you said, you know, you have to have the core foundation practice. It's 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 much easier to get into the calm state of mind when you've, when you've prepared yourself in advance. So you're, mm-hmm. you're kind of, you have something to draw on. You have something to go, you have a point of reference to go back to. Um, yeah, just, just, just like your, the, your other training. I mean, you know, you can, you can do the swim at a certain time in your race because you know that you did that on the pool. So, you know, so you have something to go back to. So it's kind of the same thing with meditation uh, where you have, you know that there's this place of peace that you can reach. You you know that it's possible because you've experienced it. Ah. And so if you can get if you can have seated meditation in the morning, then when you're trying to get through traffic and someone's cutting you off and uh, there's an annoying commercial on the radio or whatever, maybe you can find that same calm, you know. You turn off the radio, you, you, that person who cuts you off in traffic, you start to say, well, they're just trying to get, they're probably in a little bit of a hurry. They're trying to get where they're going, just like I am. And you begin to release a little bit. So if you have that base practice, then it's easier to return to it when you need it. Right. But if you don't have that base practice, um, it's, it's, it's hard. It's going to be really hard to get there on the fly. Yeah. Because, because you don't have the, uh, the point of reference. I can just feel like all my friends nodding and saying, Oh my gosh, she might be getting it <laughs> 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 because I have so many friends who, you know, and, and you know, too, because you're in the groups that, that meditate. And, but I have so many friends that are like, you just need to get your act together and do some meditation. And, um, so the, yeah, I, I didn't realize that there were kind of two head spaces for it. And I think that really helps clear it up for me quite a bit, actually. Good, good. And, you know, maybe you can find a group, but we started a small group at my university. It was, just, you know, 
um, it would maybe only be three or four people and it wouldn't even be the same three or four people each time, but we started uh, once a week, uh, meditation and, you know, if, if you're not, if it's not working out on your own, then, you know, maybe find a group to, to be a part of or, or start one. Um, so well, having I'm really people excited, like the lifetime yeah. fitness here, um, in Atlanta has, they have a new class called B and it's actually an hour, like breathing meditation class that they're offering like in line with their yoga stuff. And so I was going to go do that too. I that sounds, that practice. yeah, that sounds perfect. Yeah. Um, and he, unfortunately, even a lot of people who do yoga, um, may, they may not be aware that there's a whole inner side of yoga. Uh, I think we, we really concentrate on the physical aspects and the, and the physical aspects are important, but, uh, it's, we forget that yoga is a spiritual tradition and, and that, um, it, it, it's all about opening up the energetic centers in the body. And I, I have a theory that the postures, the asanas are the reason for doing them is actually to help you do the seated meditation. Oh. So you, so you see, you know, you see, if you've ever seen, a, a um, a yogi who can sit in a perfect lotus posture and can sit there with a straight spine. Of course, it's not the spine isn't really straight; it's really curved. But they they're able to achieve that beautiful posture and 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 maintain it because they did all of those other poses, right? So uh, I think it's designed as a support for meditation. Um, but there's there's really deep uh, inner traditions and vast scriptures and. Um, I mean, my books are really just kind of scratching the surface and, and hopefully just providing people with kind of on-ramp uh, for getting started. Yes, that's what I need, an on-ramp. I love it. <laughs> beep, beep, yeah. I'm getting on. <laughs> so which one of your three books would you recommend? I know that you have morning and evening and day. Um, which one would you recommend if someone doesn't know if they need a mindful morning, day, or evening? Like, which is your first one? I would, I'd probably say the, try the morning one first. Um, and if you can get established in that and that's going pretty well, then pick up the evening one and, and then the day, then in the order that they were written. So morning, evening, and then day. Um, so the, the day one actually hasn't come out yet. I think it's, I, I'm not exactly sure when it's coming out. uh, It might be by the end of the year, but I'm not really certain there's going to be, there's also going to be like a desk calendar version of it. Um, but I would say start with the morning one and eventually they're going to be released as a box set, but I, I don't know when that's going to happen. It might not be for another year or so. Okay. Um, so since you've done a ton of meditation and I'm sure you've, have you gone on a bunch of retreats and that kind of thing? Uh, I have been on retreats. Not, I mean, not as much lately, uh, but I, I really recommend retreats. It's, it's, uh, it's much easier when you can, if you can get away for a few days, it, it's just really tremendous in building up that sort of base practice to be able to get away for a little while. Um, but if you can't, if you can't take a retreat, then, you know, just the, the most important thing is to just, uh, get started, you know, and just work it in any way that you can. Have you been to any retreats that were just kind of out of this world? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would say that uh, my favorite retreats I've been with the Shivananda centers. Um, there's not one in Atlanta, but there, there's one in upstate New York. 
Um, it's, I think it's called Grass Valley Shivananda Center. Uh, it's really amazing. Um, and it's a traditional ashram. So you're, you're getting up at like four in the morning and doing yoga. You do yoga twice a day. Uh, but you, you also learn different forms of chanting and meditation and you're eating the vegetarian diet with the other people who are on retreat. So I really like, I really enjoy those. Um, but you could also, I mean, it's also possible to just make your own retreat where you, if you can get out of the house, it's very helpful. So you're not like <laughs> feeling guilty about, Oh, I really need to clean or whatever. Um, if you can get out of the house, it helps, but find a, a spiritual book that you like and, you know, maybe, re- maybe do a, a reading for half an hour and then do some silent meditation and just, and, you know, you can build some exercise into it as well, go for a run or whatever, mm-hmm. and just repeat that cycle like three times in a day. So does meditation sort of apply, like, you know, how when you're telling someone to start working out or give them advice on how to start training for something, you say, you know, you kind of move your body and how it feels right for you. Is meditation the same way? I mean, you just find your headspace in the way that feels right for you, or is there really value in doing, you know, the four, 16, eight breath? I mean, is it kind of anything goes or is there really? I, I mean, I, th- I think that if you uh, try it, anyone who tries meditation is, is probably going to learn something. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was, uh, probably in college, um, I had this at that time I was still thinking I was going to go into the ministry. I had this little prayer book and it said 20 minute. The first thing it said was 20 minutes of silent listening. And, Oh, that was scary for me at first. <laughs> right. 20 minutes of silent listening. Um, but after I started trying it, it was just really amazing. It kind of just opened up so much for me. So so what are you listening to? Just the air? (laughs) Exactly. I mean, you're listening to whatever, whatever shows up there, whether it's your own thoughts or whether it's the birds or, and, and a funny thing I used to do is I would imagine my ears getting bigger. <laughs> I would imagine I would imagine that my ears were getting really big and I would try to I would try to <laughs> sol- I would try to solely focus on receiving. And and it's something that we don't do very often, right? Because That's we think really funny. <laughs> we think that we like we have to like entertain ourselves, keep ourselves distracted, and we need information, information, information. And rarely do we kind of go into that opposite mode, which is just simply receiving and listening and being still and being quiet because our culture is geared in completely the opposite direction, right? Of go, go, go. And um, if you have like 30 seconds to spare, you know, out comes the cell phone and let me check the news. And mm-hmm. I'm just as guilty of that as anyone, but, yeah. um, there's a whole opposite side of our, of ourselves and of our lives that we kind of neglect, which is that kind of intuitive, receptive, uh, frame of mind. That's really so, interesting. Sitting there and listening for 20 minutes. Okay. I'm going to get my Dumbo ears on and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's kind of cheesy, but 
but you know, it helped me, um, to, to kind of slow down the little chatter, the chatter, 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 and, and just, um, listen, it's, it's, it sounds so simple, but it's, it's, it's in a way, some ways the hardest thing you could do is to just sit there and quietly listen. And you don't process anything, right? You just, you try and let everything go. You're just listening. Yeah. Yeah. You, okay. you, you, tr- you try not to define and label and categorize. Oh man. See, but that's exactly like absolutely against my nature. It is. I, I mean, in some a categorizer, way, I'm a labeler. <laughs> right. In a way that's, I mean, that's what the mind does, right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's what its job is, right? It, it labels and defines and categorizes. Um, but if you if you stay in that place, it can be exhausting, right? Because you you never get a chance to rest because you're always kind of grappling with everything, and 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 you we don't have peace sometimes because there's just too much there's too much clutter there's too much noise, and if we if we can go into that receptive mode, then um, it clears up some space and. And that, that inner space is not, it, it's not to say that, so, so peace is actually kind of the default state. So when we clear away all that other stuff, then peace naturally arises. I'm trying to be quiet and listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not fill dead air with anything and just listen. Oh, it's hard. Right. Yeah. It is very hard. And and our culture is all geared towards making sure that there's never a free moment. Right. For sure. <laughs> so wow. it's definitely it's definitely challenging and it's countercultural in a way, you know, to to just go into that space of listening. So even I mean, I feel like there's so many things we could talk about and so many questions I have, but so if you do your base practice meditation. That's a great start, and you highly recommend doing that. But then even if you don't do anything else, just finding, just taking some space to open your ears and listen is a great part two, would you say? Um, I think it goes along with the base practice. So okay. even, when you're, even when you're doing your, your deep breathing, you know, you're, you're paying attention to I'm, I'm sitting here breathing as I'm doing it, but you're, you're, you're paying attention to you. You can feel your diaphragm going down. You can feel your side ribs kind of expand. And then the third part of the breath, you can feel your chest region start to expand. And so you're, you're paying attention to all of that. And after you've done a few rounds, after a while, you can, if it's quiet enough, you can actually hear your heart beating. And you can hear the the blood flow uh, in your ears. You can hear that kind of rushing sound in your ears. Okay, so I think that'll freak me out, and I'll need to turn on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> so they're very subtle. They're very subtle sounds, but I mean, you, you're you're starting out counting. You're going one, two, three, four, but eventually you're listening to your heartbeat. Bump, 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 bump. And so now you're timing yourself to your own body's rhythms. And as you're, there's a, there's a process that goes on between your, you actually have neural elements in your lungs. So, um, when you, when your lungs expand, 
the stretch receptors in your lungs are communicating with the brain and they're sending a, an all is well message because when you're anxious, when you're really anxious, you start to get very rapid, shallow breathing. Right. And then you're producing all those stress hormones. Um, but if you can lengthen, when you begin to lengthen the breath, uh, that sends the message to the brain that everything's okay. And you can stop uh, the stress response. So there's, there's the, there's a, there's a physiology of it as well. It's, 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 it's not, it's not all just, um, I think there's some people think that meditation is kind of, you know, like woo woo magical. Um, but there's actually several decades of research now that show that, there's, there's a whole physiology behind it. Um, so, I mean, if you, if you, if you go for the supernatural, then great. And that's fine. You could, you could take it in a very theistic supernatural direction if you want, or you can just take it as a kind of mechanical intervention in your, in your body's processes. I feel like since I've been talking to you that I'm breathing deeper, <laughs> I think it's because I want to be an A student. <laughs> I'm like, well, is that yeah, my heartbeat in my ears? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> even just, yeah, even just the the breath part of it is is sure. is pretty is pretty amazing. Um, I I used to I used to really struggle with anxiety, um, and I, and it was pretty much daily, right? But now, um, it's not to say I don't get anxious, but far less than I used to. Just by starting and, your day. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat prone towards depression, but, and it's not to say I don't get depressed now, but certainly not like I did. Mm -hmm. So, so you can, you can actually change this, your, your set point to where I'm not going to tell you that you're going to start meditating and, you know, magically the sky is going to open and the light beam is going to come down from heaven, you know, <laughs> but, but over time, you know, it, it, it does change your internal states and it's, it's not such a struggle anymore. You know, daily life is not such a struggle. Mm -hmm. you, you're still going to have all the same problems, right? right? Whatever problems in your life are still going to be there, but I think they're going to be, they're going to seem less monumental than they did before. That's awesome. Well, David, thank you so much. I would ask you what thing you do on a daily basis that makes your life better, but I think I know the answer to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, meditation, but I think it's very complimentary with physical exercise. Uh -huh. um, I think if you're not getting the exercise, you're, you're just not going to be in the right place because that's just how we're designed as human beings to be out there moving around in the environment. So I, th I think they're very naturally go together. Well, I'm excited. I, I, like I said, I feel like everything is just kind of making space for me to being forced to make space for this because <laughs> it's, it's like well, every day there's a sign that I need to open up and give it a shot. Great. Well, let me know how it goes. And I, I really will. love the podcast. It's really inspiring. Well, thank you. Oh, um, and you've got a podcast. You're, you're just a few episodes in, but by the time this one airs, you'll probably be more than a few episodes in. So tell us about that. It's called The Boundless Mind. And each episode 
uh, will start out with a meditation. I'm taking the meditations right out of the book. Okay. So cool. it'll, it'll be one of the meditations from the book. And then if you want, you can hit pause and you can do your silence during that time. Cool. Or if you don't have time, you can just keep listening. And so, so there's a meditation and there's a short talk. And the first episodes are all about like getting started with meditation and mindfulness. And so each, each time it'll be kind of a topic about something, something to do with meditation. And I'll just, I'll talk for maybe 10 or 15 minutes about the topic for the day. Oh, cool. So that sounds so. right up my alley. <laughs> yeah. Give it a, give it a shot. I'm, I'm yeah. very new at podcasting. So well, you're you far more experienced. Somewhere. You got to start right. somewhere. You need a microphone and some headphones and your mom right. or someone to listen. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> so I got that part down. That's so right. now I'm just starting to record it. I have three episodes now and okay. I'm working on the fourth one right now. So, well, super good luck with the podcast and Thank you. Um, everyone check out the books. Well, the two books, the mindful morning and mindful evening, and then a mindful day coming down the pipeline. This is David Dillard, yes. right? And thank you so much for a great experience and a couple little mini breakthroughs, I think for on my end of things here over here. So I'm excited about checking everything out and reporting back. Well, thank you so much. And I just really enjoyed talking with you and hello to all the listeners out there. And I hope you get something out of it. Absolutely. Well, thanks, David. We'll talk soon. Thank you.